I welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. What Are you high school related tonight, Josh? We'll see. Uh, TBD, maybe. Mm. It would be uh, this afternoon at 4.30 at UCO if that's a yes. I, I think probably not, but maybe so. We'll see. Mm. Game time decision. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what What is this air comfort solution, solution texter writing about? Uh, Blake Bell, the man who saved Bob Stoops' job by preventing a four-game losing streak to the posse, and no matter what you, you, you do, you don't survive that. Um, o- Oklahoma didn't lose even back-to-back games to Oklahoma State. Yeah, but if that game had gone differently – I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's correct, sir. <laughs> you need you need to check, you need to check your resume. Back to back losses to OSU in the Bedlam series haven't happened since 2001, 2002. Well, twelve and thirteen. Twelve was the overtime game, correct? At home, twelve was um, yes overtime game in, yes. in fourth down. Blake Bell gets in to force overtime. That's right. Was that it? That's was right. that in overtime? That was uh, in overtime, right? And Brennan Clay had the walk off right, and it turned mm-hmm. into a big celebration a decade right. ago. And then the next year, obviously, third string come in, That's throw right. a touchdown pass late, freezing cold game. Oklahoma State does not win the Big Twelve championship. Oh, okay. I see what he's saying. 12, okay, twelve That's and fair. thirteen in, in eleven. You lost in fourteen. You repunted. That's right. That was the repunt. Well, if Bob Stoops doesn't repunt to Tyree Kill, then the game's over. Eleven, you get crushed, dude. Eleven was one of those days. There's two games in the history of doing OU football where I was just it, it was a miserable experience, and I think everyone 2011 Stillwater because it was freezing cold. And uh, the first half of the Peach Bowl against LSU, because it quickly became obvious that, oh boy. But, okay, I see what you're saying. If Blake Bell doesn't score in overtime and doesn't lead that final rally. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. But I, yeah, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to get fired because of that. Um, And then there was one more. Kindle writes, all the depth chart talk. Let's just trust the coaching staff with who they decide to start and not start. Get out of here with that nonsense. Trust coaches? Stop that. Ridiculous. What do you mean? Come on. Now, that's always kind of been my thing. I don't – I'm not going to lie to you. I was thinking about this last night. I don't think I've ever really been shocked by a depth chart probably since I saw Dominique Whaley on as the starting running back for Oklahoma – and what would that be, 11 or 12? And Roy Finch was like fourth string. I, I I don't think there's been anything, and I'm sure some of you diehards could remind me on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, but, I mean, for for the most part, I, I kind of – Micah Tease was on a depth chart one year and was, was kind of high, and I think that surprised a few people when the initial depth chart came out. Maybe every now and then there's been a, a guy that hadn't been – as highly recruited and ended up ahead of a dude that was highly recruited and that kind of is shocking. But, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like – I hate to try to equate things to Diamond Sports, Josh, 
But if you go back and you look at the starting lineup for, I mean, Skip Johnson or Patty Gasso this last year, um, going to go out on a limb and say maybe Coach Gasso's was a little bit more similar. But for the most part, it's it's a com- completely different world by what you have midseason or even by the end of the year. And football's not much different when it comes to the depth chart. Injuries happen, ineffective play, uh, guys coming in, taking advantage of opportunities. So, honestly, I mean, the, the depth chart, it is what it is, right? It's guys who have earned that opportunity through the offseason. But let's face it, uh, in a lot of ways, it's it's more to placate the media. I mean, everyone's kind of up in arms that Steve Sarkeesian didn't release a depth chart, right? Oh, he's not going to release a depth chart. How ridiculous. How dare he? But I bet if you would poll 100 Division One coaches, 100 Division One coaches wouldn't release a depth chart. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. Nobody wants to put it out there. So it's – it's fun to see, oh, you you afraid to put your depth chart out there? I don't think any coach, Josh, would put out a depth chart if he, if he wasn't forced to or asked to. And honestly, we're not going to get good injury information until we get a czar of college football and they put the rule in place like the NFL has. And it's coming. It's coming with the increased gambling ties and, and, and legalized mobile wagering. It's coming. It's coming. You, you'll have probably – more strict injury reports and things of that nature. But, yeah, I don't I don't know about you. I love the depth chart. I love the conversations. I'm like, oh, I can't believe that. But I'm never really truly shocked about anything. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. What would be even remotely of the realm of pretty shocking for Oklahoma within this depth chart? Is there anything? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Jalen so. Redmond not being a surefire starter I think is a little surprising. That would be of that realm for me. Beyond that, I don't know. I mean, not really. Jaden Davis maybe would have been a surprise three weeks ago, but we kind of heard that. Yeah. And if you paid attention, you, you've heard that name a lot. I mean, a lot whenever it comes to whenever it comes to the the offseason talk, right? Jaden Davis, I, I told you guys whenever we went for the ladies' camp, he was front and center with a lot of things. So, I again, I – I'm not somebody that's going to get too high or too low. Now, you ready for some Jeff Levy? Anything else you want to add? I didn't give one more refresh of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Oh, here's a good one. Um, I haven't heard about the suits for players since maybe January. Are we expecting Sooners in suits this weekend, or is that just a road thing there? Oh, we're expecting suits. Mm. Sooners in suits. Um. Yes, they'll wear suits when they get off the bus. They'll wear suits in the in the walk. Is what the walk of champions? Walk of champions. Yeah. Sooners in suits will be a thing consistently, and on road trips, on planes, Sooners in suits. But I love how this this dude is uh, uh, from the four. I gotta get his name because he is. I think he listens to us to pain himself, but it is an actually pretty good point because the dude brought up the four game losing streak. Um, and and here was here here was one more, a four game losing streak to the Pokes. Get your staff fired at least, though, right? Oh yeah, they, there would yeah. have been if that had happened. I mean, there would have been sweeping changes. There and I think changes after every loss anyway, right? 
well, yeah, that's that's probably yeah. fair. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Look what you've started. Um, here's one more. I, gosh, you guys are good on the text line today. Redmond is not a surefire starter because he's been banged up. Redmond. J.R. Redmond. No, not J.R. Jalen Redmond. <laughs> J.R. Redmond. What? Jacoby Redmond. Josh Redmond. Yeah, uh, he's battled some injuries. And I think, surprisingly, Coach has been pretty open about those, right? So they've battled the injuries. Um, Kendall, I don't need to trust you on suits. I'm telling you, they're going to be in suits this week. <laughs> they're, they're, breaking news. I've got you, if that was indeed some news that needed to be broke. All right, you ready for some Jeff Lebby? Giddy up, let's go. All right, um, kind of parsing through the Jeff Lebby presser, we we heard him talk about UTEP in our last segment, but everyone's learning a new system. What has that process been like? From Davis Bevel. Oh, let's start it back over. Everyone in that quarterback room is learning a new system. What's it been like? Again, I think like you look at it from Davis Bevel's standpoint, right? He's had to live something else to put him in a position to have success here and, and win the two job. It's the exact same thing for those other guys. You know, they've had to live some other situations and circumstances and has created some maturity for them to be able to come in and, and get ready to roll. And not just learning a new system, but the the buy in for what's going to be different because it's an up-tempo offense. Yeah, I think uh, the the communication piece of it has been really good. There's been great buy-in. They've bought into the tempo piece of it and playing fast and, and understanding how they've got to communicate and the urgency that we got to do it uh, with to be able to play the way we want to play. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing with those five guys that are going to get the nod on Saturdays, they've created a ton of consistency. You know, again, we know what we're going to get before we get it. And then there's, you know, some guys that are that are sitting there at, at backups that, that, that'll play as well, so that have done a really good job. But that group, man, has done done a great job. We're in a really good place as a unit right now because of them, and uh, it, it's going to start uh, it's going to start up front like always. Um, one more here from Jeff Flebby before we get a break and kind of dive into more individualist conversations. What are you looking for out of this team on Saturday? The, the biggest thing is going to be uncommon effort and physicality. You know, we want to own the line of scrimmage. We want to be incredibly physical. Uh, we want to take care of the football. We want to run the rock, and we want to play clean ball. So that's that's what we want to do on Saturday. I'm not sure that's ever going to change, uh, but that's that's what we're looking for. There you go. Um, effort, effort, effort. It's It's going to be a phrase you hear quite a bit. From Brent Venables. They want, what's the term, uncommon effort? Uncommon. And for for Jeff Levy, for Ted Roof, for everyone, that's what they're searching for, uncommon effort. So when when we come back, let's hear a little bit more from Jeff Levy because I've got a bolt to 1030 because we have the um, 1115 Brent Venables press conference, but – We'll be on the air on the Sooner Radio Network at 11 a.m., and i got to get over there all the way across the stadium and get set up. Plus, Connor's just itching to get his hot takes rolling, right, Josh? He's oh, ready to go. big time. Yep, he's, he's cooking. He's ready. He's cooking. All right, so we'll come back. We'll hear more from Jeff Levy next right here on the Plank Show. And I can't believe I, can't believe I haven't played it yet. <laughs> um, uh, Ted Roof, it was one of the first questions he got was asked about the injury to TD. Maybe. 
Maybe. As a as a coach, you hurt for all your players when they become injured, and that's the that's the bad part of a great game. Uh, and so, I, I hurt for all our guys when they're injured. And at the same time, yeah, I, I feel bad for him uh, because I, he put so much into it. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's an unfortunate break, but uh, that's the way it goes. And so, there we are. Are you guys going to look for a medical year for next year? Or? Well, he's about thirty years old, so we're st- <laughs> we're like. Uh, Trying to figure out what the next step is. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You think he's going to play again next year? Jeez, I mean, we all know his eighth year of eligibility. He's like 30 right now. Um, from everything that Gabe has indicated on uh, the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast, you, you get this sense, do you not, Josh, that T.D. Roof inevitably is going to be a coach? And while this injury sucks, and I'm pretty sure you would have seen him on that depth chart when it was released yesterday, it appears as if this gives him an opportunity to go out and start his coaching career, right? Yeah. I mean, that opportunity is right here in front of you. And he would be a valued voice for Oklahoma. So a little bit of a jump start maybe in that regard. If that's something that, yeah, he wants to do. Yeah, that's a good point too. I think – I think a lot of times we're just like, well, of course he would want to coach. Of course he would want to do this. And then you stop and you're like, well, you know, maybe there's also a part of him that's kind of done so done <laughs> with, with football, which sounds crazy. Um, back to the offensive, which sounds crazy to some, but, I mean, it's been a part of it his whole life. But everything we hear about T.D. Roof is that he's got coaching in his future. Dylan Gabriel is the topic of conversation every single time that Jeff Lebby is at the dais. Right, I think – the first thing that comes to mind, man, is just incredibly accurate. So you see that all over the tape through his high school ball. You don't have that much production in high school and not have anticipation and inaccuracy. So when you're talking about the quarterback position, two huge things that we're always evaluating, always looking at. He has both. He's had both for a long time. So that was that was kind of the first part of it. Um, I thought it was a really good question, and I apologize I didn't hear who asked it. But, and it was a a pretty quick and succinct effort. He's not a big dude, right? And, you know, Josh, we joked about a couple Saturdays ago when I talked with Coach Venables at the Sooner Club event where we, uh, he talked about here's Dylan Gabriel who has, you know, the, the, the size that he has and our defensive line hasn't batted a ball down yet. And, you can look at that two ways, right? And we we chose to take the positive approach, right? It was, oh, man, he he doing a good job of avoiding getting passes batted down. If you want to be glass half empty, you can say, well, our defensive line must be terrible if they're not batting down passes from a from a 6-foot, 5-foot, 11 quarterback. But Jeff Levy talked about it and what makes it so unique for Dylan Gabriel to avoid those issues. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. You've seen it trend over the past – eight to ten years, you know, guys that hadn't been the prototypical NFL body but have had a ton of success. And, again, to me, it still goes back to accuracy, you know, and, and guys that are incredibly accurate in the pocket, outside of the pocket, and then their anticipation skills, being able to throw guys open and, and create windows for themselves, you know, so that they, one, can see, and then, two, be able to get it out of their hand on time. And more? You know, it, it, it really doesn't. You know, He's a guy that, again, he's uh, – He's played at an extremely high level. Uh, I think we've asked him to do a lot of things through the spring and fall camp to get us to where we are today. 
uh, and he's had great growth, and we're we're in a good spot. Hmm. There you go. Um, I'm excited to hear from Brent Venables today, especially after hearing him and Ted and Toby last night. Uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. I'm excited to hear what game week looks like. But I, I also, you know, we we were kind of giving that disclaimer when the show started, Josh, that there weren't a ton of details uh, on certain things. I'll be curious to see how in-depth he'll go. I know uh, Kendall pointed this out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, and I was texting Toby about it a little bit. He was pretty open about injury information last night, and I know you and Connor are going to get into that uh, a little bit when we when we recap some of the coaches' show. And I brought it up last segment. That's where we're headed, right? That's our future is we're going to have uh, injury information because of the increase in, in the gambling side of things. But – I I got to admit, every you know, Ted Roof has that tone and that tenor to where it's kind of it's very fatherly and it's very kind of you know laid back. Jeff Levy has that kind of little laid back side of things. It, it just keeps coming up how wildly balanced this coaching staff is. You know, we were talking to Todd Bates about it yesterday, and you guys uh, will share some of that coming up on Friday show. But I mean, from a, a Miguel Chavis type of energy to a guy like. Todd Bates, who has that energy, but it's different from the, the the leader who just exudes it to your coordinators who are, you know, may, maybe have a little bit more laid back personality. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. You know, it's something that we'll see as it plays out. I, I'll be honest with you. I think Mike Gundy's been fantastic about meshing different personalities at Oklahoma State. I, I think you've seen it in, in Waco with what Dave Aranda's done in his third year. It's It's kind of it's really cool to see the personality traits, Josh, and kind of the way that, that they're meshing together. And if there is a perceived weakness for one, it seems like there's another guy on staff that can pick it up. If one guy might not be as loud and boisterous, well, uh, let's say Brandon Hall's a little quieter guy. There's Jay Valai, a little bit louder, more emphatic dude. Uh, maybe Joe John Finley's a little quieter. Well, guess what? You got LaDamian Washington who has stepped in and is a ball of energy. So I just – I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the balance, and I'm intrigued to see how that plays out this year. Seems like they have a great mix of personalities I- anymore now that LaDamian Washington has stepped in and taken over for wide receivers. It really is a staff across the board this side of Ted Roof that is kind of marked by its youth, right? Uh, should be a youthful exuberance about this staff, and I think we see and hear a lot of that from Oklahoma. And it's not just – inexperienced youth, right? It's right. it's younger guys in the profession that are ready for these types of opportunities. So I, I love the staff. I think it's great. And now it's all about going out and getting results. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, because I don't want to leave today without talking about captains, but you miss, you mentioned LaDainian Washington and kind of the fit that he's been, he's been on this staff. Uh, Jeff Levy was asked, hey, how did, how did this come about? How did he end up on this staff? Yeah, it, was, it actually started with a dear friend that uh, – that played with LD at Missouri and had a had a great connection with him that that worked with me uh, at a couple of prior stops, and uh, he he's the one who actually introduced us. LD's got an incredible story. He's done a great job with the room with our guys right now. He's fully capable and man, just excited for his opportunity and what he's done with it so far. He um he and and Jeff Lebby, well Jeff Lebby and Ladamian Washington are a, a big reason, and Lebby is mentioned quite a bit from what uh, I heard Kerry tweet or what Kerry tweeted about last night with, with Anthony Evans. 
you just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get too carried away, but you, you hate the way that this came to fruition, but I think Oklahoma's going to be you know, very happy that they have a guy like Damian Washington ready and willing to step in and take over that receiver's coach job. Everything, all the early returns, Josh, have been fantastic. As you would expect, right? I mean, just kind of what we heard with LaDamian Washington coming in. And now, what an opportunity. What an opportunity here for LaDamian Washington at Oklahoma with, I think, a really talented wide receiver group. You look up and down the depth chart, it kind of for wide receiver broke the way that we expected it to break with Marvin Mims and with Theo Weiss and with Jaleel Farouk as your starters. But as you then kind of look beyond that on the depth chart, you start thinking about it and – I know there's been a lot of discussion about, well, not necessarily from you or I or anybody right here, but there's been a lot of discussion about Jaden Hazelwood is gone. Mario Williams is gone. Uh, Mike Woods is gone for Oklahoma. I, looking at the depth chart for the wide receivers, kind of came away and thought, you know what? Oklahoma's got a nice little collection of pass catchers here. Some of it unproven, but I feel good about the type of talent that LaDamian Washington and that group has from a coaching staff and then player personnel perspective. And, Again, now it's about going out and seeing what this group can do. All right, listen, I got a bolt, but before I do, oh, did Tony Jefferson get cut? Hold on, Tony Jefferson is trending. Yeah, uh, according to a report, um, and I guess this actually um, broke last night, Tony Jefferson, they are planning on releasing the Sooner. Baltimore drafted Kyle Hamilton in the first round and assigned Marcus Williams. I think Be a good fit for KC. I think Tony Jefferson has an opportunity to still make a team. So, um, Tyron Matthew had a tweet that went out that was deleted. Um, the only job where youth beats out experience without actually getting better. Tyron Matthew deleted that tweet. He said the tweet was about the release of Tony Jefferson and had nothing to do with the Saints. So. That's why uh, Tony Jefferson is tr- uh, trending this morning. I'm, you know who Tony Jefferson's childhood team was, right? He was a Raiders fan. He was a he was a diehard. Oh, we've had this conversation many times, but I don't I don't know if that's going to end up being the case. All right, captains were announced, and uh, I thought we did pretty good, right? Um, we all thought Dylan Gabriel. We all thought Deshaun White. Handful of you on the Air Comfort Solutions text line felt uh, uh, Braden Willis was going to be the guy, and I thought, eh, we'll see. Absolutely, one of the uh, five captains, Justin Broyles, and David Aguebu. Um, I no problem with any of them. Broyles has been around. You know, you go back. I know some people still hold the Peach Bowl against him, but. Yeah, he he really improved last year. Worked himself into the rotation the last couple of seasons. David Aguebu has been the talk of camp, right? Uh, Dylan Gabriel was obvious. And I kind of, you know, looking back to Sean White, I guess, was pretty obvious too. And Braden Willis, another – I mean, you, you got five dudes who have been around and played a lot of college football. Three of them – you know, David Aguebu has played some. I don't want to get too carried away. But but four of them all here at Oklahoma, and, and Dylan Gabriel comes in as your quarterback who has been an instant leader right away. I had no problem with any of the five, Josh. I know some people are always miffed by captain announcements and why wasn't this guy or why was this guy in here. We're not in that locker room. We don't know. I have no problem with any of this. No, and really, 
all five of these guys are guys that have, quote-unquote, been around. Dylan Gabriel, sure. of course, would be the, like, generally speaking, exception to that rule because, of course, he transferred to Oklahoma. But this is somebody that has started and played a lot of college football. This is somebody that's familiar with Jeff Levy's offense and essentially was another coach right. for Oklahoma over the course of this offseason, helping install this offense. And he's your starting quarterback. Starting quarterback, never going to be a surprise to see that name be a captain. And then everybody else – it is names plank of guys that have been around Oklahoma, know what it means to be a Sooner, and have kind of gone through the wars for OU. So, yeah, I don't know that there's – Broyles and Aguebu, I guess if I had to pick a couple that would be, you know, more surprising than the others, those would be the two. But I don't think they're surprising either. I don't think they're surprising um, if, if you've been dialed in, right? If, you, if you've been one of those fans that – um, has listened to every press conference, listens to our station, uh, hasn't just found us as football starts. <laughs> eh, football's here. Let's go ahead and start paying attention to sports radio. If, if you've been dialed in, then there is no surprise whatsoever in the fact that, um, in the fact that um, David Aguebu is, is a captain on this team. So there you go. Uh, I got to go, gents. Have fun, man. Well, I'll, I'll text you if anything exciting comes out of this press conference. We, we shall all find out together. But when we come back, Connor and Josh take over the Plank Show as we get set for the Brent Venables press conference. Again, a reminder, we are not contractually allowed to carry the Brent Venables press conference, but we will fully interact and react to it right here on the Home Center Fan. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Plank Show here with you. Brent Venables press conference coming up here in, well, about a half hour. Yes, uh, you are correct out there on the text line. No, unfortunately, we can't carry the press conference for you live. So as soon as it goes final, we'll either air it in full or Steely, I'm sure, and Parker Thune will be sharing a bunch of clips and thoughts from it. And, of course, we'll be covering it live from the standpoint of just kind of following along live play-by-play with all of you out there. That's just contractually we can't carry the press conference. Our number two of the Plank Show, it's brought to us by Allison Insurance, 405-745-2968, allisoninsurance.com. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. So, the Athletic, I guess, had a bowl pre- prediction, bowl projection out there for Oklahoma, which it's your final bowl predictions season. And then each week it's kind of, hey, let's update it as we go. Final bowl predictions out there. And the Athletic, not necessarily the greatest of destinations, Connor, for Oklahoma. Hold, hold on to your phones, everybody. Yeah, it was by Stuart Mandel, too. Oh, okay. Well, yes. then we know it's going to be terrible. Yes, yeah, so cheese it Bolt, Oklahoma Cheez as the Big Bolt. 12 number three team playing Miami. I mean, Oklahoma-Miami in, in general is not all that bad, but... But the Big 12th winner, can you guess who, according to Stuart Mandel? Well, it's Kansas State. Yep, Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl playing Texas A&M. Yeah, it was Kansas State based on what he put out there. Was that last week where he had Oklahoma going seven and five? I think seven and five and five and four in the Big Twelve. 
Yeah, that was last week. Then about everybody started making fun of him right out of the gate. Well, yeah, because it's it's absurd. Listen, if Oklahoma goes seven and five this season and five and four in the Big Twelve, it's not a total disaster, but it's pretty close to a disaster for Oklahoma just based on what we think about OU, the expectations for the Sooners going into this season, and the expectations for everybody else in the Big 12. And oh, by the way, based on what we saw from Nebraska in Week 0, I mean, now you're expected, if you're Oklahoma, to go up there to Lincoln, Nebraska, and not just win that game. And probably there was some of this to begin with. There was some of this already for Oklahoma. But now especially there's some of this for Oklahoma where, Connor, OU's supposed to go to Nebraska and absolutely thrash the Cornhuskers, okay? The the rest of the Big 12 slate. Kansas State, you get it home, right? You travel to TCU. We'll see about TCU. Quentin Johnston, obviously nice receiver, NFL talent there. But beyond that, Duggan, Chandler Morris, either one of those two guys. Should not be a problem. Well, just the collective sum of parts. We'll see about defensively what they look like. But, you know, on paper, at least going in, TCU's not somebody that you should have a ton of problems with. Now it is on the road. Then, of course, Texas. We'll see about Texas together. Oklahoma ought to beat Texas. They do have, depending upon how good or bad Quinn Ewers is, wide receiver, running back, Texas has one of the best little one-two punches right there, but I'm not crazy about the offensive line or a lot of the other pieces defensively for Texas. And again, quarterback's a huge question mark. We could do this game with every single Big 12 game on the schedule. Baylor, it's at home. Oklahoma State, it's at home. Baylor's still replacing quite a bit. Shapin, you and I, I think, both like Blake Shapin at quarterback. Still want to see a little bit more from him. Spitzer Sanders, Oklahoma State. Are they going to be able to come into Norman and win? Is Spitzer Sanders going to duplicate what we saw from himself in the Fiesta Bowl versus Notre Dame? Tommy says, cheese it ball. K-State in the sugar? Get out of here. Yeah, Oklahoma. Again, if if they wind up in the cheese it bowl like Stuart Mandel is predicting, then it's a catastrophe of a season for Brent Vittables in year one, which Stuart Man- Mandel's been on that train of anti-OU, Connor. He he's, did- he's a big, he's kind of a, he's a big Pac-12 guy, too. He's got Utah in the college football playoff, plus USC in a New Year's Six. Utah to the CFP, USC, New Year's Six. So you got two Pac-12 teams making the New Year's Six. Well, it is that time of the year where you know, not just Stuart Mandel. Desmond Howard had his college football playoff proje- projections gosh. the other day. <laughs> Michigan was in. Okay, not altogether the zaniest thing. He had Utah, right? Yeah, and Pitt. Pitt, Pitt is and then Baylor. Texas A&M was in there too for him. So somewhere we screwed one of them up. But I don't think he had Utah in. He had Baylor. Okay, so he had Baylor in place of Utah. Yep. See, because Utah would make too much sense. <laughs> Someone said, I think Tyler mentioned this a few days ago, but it's like simulating your NCAA 14 dynasty mode and all these teams just come out of nowhere. 
and then make the <laughs> make the playoff. Stuart Mandel leaves Oklahoma out of his top twenty-five, has them finishing seven and five, and now is sending the suitors to the Cheesehead Bowl, which. According to his five and four prediction in the Big Twelve for Oklahoma, that's that's where they would wind up. So, let's see. USA Today has some bowl pro- projections as well. This is again just kind of the final round of any of the projections you're going to see out there. And where might they have Oklahoma? They've got Oklahoma going to the college football playoffs. Wow. So USA Today says Oklahoma, Alabama in the Peach Bowl, Georgia, Ohio State in the Fiesta, and Probably like most places you'll look at out there, college football playoff national championship game is Alabama versus Ohio State. Which we may see a lot of those projections right there with Bama and Ohio State, the way I've been seeing all of it. Good for Eric Smith in USA Today Sports. Someone that has a reasonable college football playoff prediction. A lot of folks, they just... They can't go with the Ohio State and Alabamas of the world, right? It's too obvious. It's too likely to happen. Got to throw something off the wall to see if it sticks. Got to have my hot takes to to garner attention. If you had to pick your college football playoff right now, Connor, who's in it? I would have Alabama, Ohio State, and let's see here. Oklahoma, and I'm still deciding my – Fourteen. Okay, run those run those back through for me one more time. Alabama, Ohio State, OU, and still deciding about fourteen. Yeah, to be determined. Well, it's definitely Alabama and Ohio State. I see those two getting in without a problem right there. And then I would say, I I could probably, I'd probably throw Georgia in there again. You think Georgia out I of think the SEC Georgia can get in again? I think the SEC is a one bid league this go around I, I don't think both of them get in Notre Dame no they got to play Ohio State so yeah I'm see- really what happens unless you, week- unless you let unless Notre Dame loses to Ohio State then runs the table which may be interesting if they end up putting them in that spread for that game is 17 and a half wild that it's that big 17 and a half 17 and a half and I love Ohio State and CJ Stroud and Travion Henderson and Jackson think, Smith and think, Jigba but 17 and a yeah. half I mean if Notre Dame I, I, I get I get I get the, cover that I get that it's in the shoe but I think Notre Dame covers 17 and a half so having said that they'll probably lose by 70 now yeah now yeah well well I, I'm the one who put Hawaii to cover nine and a half versus Vanderbilt in I think we all saw how that went down. Yeah, Vandy, baby. Vandy rolls. For Notre Dame, how they play in this game is going to go a long way in determining whether or not they can be a one-loss team into the college football playoff. Connor, if they lose this game by three or four touchdowns... They're, they're not going to put... Yeah. Well, if, even as a one-loss team, I don't think they get in if they win the next 11 after that. But if they go, if they go toe-to-toe with them in the fourth quarter and then lose by... Say a field goal or a touchdown, then maybe. But I think it also matters how they play against USC at the end of the year, too. So I would probably, if you asked me college football playoff right here, right now, you know, obviously Alabama, Ohio State, feel really good about those two. Big 12, I think, is going to be either Oklahoma or Baylor. I'm sticking with OU, and I do think they'll make the college football playoff. And then from, from there, it's 
Who's number four? Who, who's the fourth team in? Clems- Clemson. Clemson, I think about, but I'm just not crazy about the quarterback play. I know we're still. Uncle Lele, it's we're still waiting on me. him. Yes, I know. There's a lot of bonehead plays from him. Every They're replacing ever- an offensive coordinator. They're replacing a defensive coordinator. We're about to see how far of a drop back it is with Venables losing. But the way the ACC is set up, I think Clemson can have a shot to get in. Them or Pittsburgh. We'll see how Pittsburgh does. Big Ten's not a two-bid league, no, right? No, I don't see that. Unless unless Michigan and Ohio State somehow go undefeated to that game and then it's a classic or something. Yeah, Feels like it's unlikely, I mean, though. Utah, I guess, is a reasonable reasonable projection out of the Pac-12. And, and that's kind of where you get back to what you're saying, which is, well, if Georgia only loses one game and beats everybody else, they're definitely going to be in the college football playoff. When it comes down to who do you put in with the one loss, whether it's you could put in a Utah with the one loss or a Notre Dame with a loss to Ohio State at the shoe. A couple of people chiming in on the Nebraska team that we saw this past weekend. Let's discuss that next. The text line says, ah, don't buy into what you saw in week zero with Nebraska. I am. I'm, I'm totally bought in with what we saw from Nebraska in week zero because guess what? I didn't just see it in week zero. I saw it all of 2021 and really for the entirety of Scott Frost's tenure. But I will I will entertain that thought. We'll dive into it next. It's Josh Elmer. It's Connor Pasby hanging out with you. We call this the Plank Show right here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Counting down Brent Venable's press conference, obviously, today at 11.15. Take a timeout. Come back. Wrap up hour number two next. Back with you. Allison Insurance brings us hour number two. It's the Plank Show. What's up, everybody out there? Happy Brent Venables Press Conference Day to you, and happy game week, everybody. Allison Insurance, uh, visit them online, allisoninsurance.com, 405-745-2968. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby hanging out with you. The text line, so the text line chimed in and said, uh, no matter how bad Nebraska played in Ireland, OU will see a different team in Lincoln. Trap game. Nebraska kept it close last year, and it was supposed to be a rout. Sooners need to show up and play with emotion. Don't need a four-quarter game that is close. Agreed. Agreed. I think that now, kind of based on what we've seen from Nebraska, and we'll find out with Oklahoma. We'll get, obviously, our first look at Oklahoma versus UTEP. It's important. It's important how Oklahoma plays this game. I expect them to look like a much better team than Nebraska. I kind of go back and forth with what what you said right there about we're going to see a totally different team. I hope we don't. We'll discuss that at the top of next hour. I keep pushing it back, but listen, if you call in, I want to get you get you in here. Bill has hit us up Riverwind Casino, call in line 405-329-9000. Bill, what's up? Good morning. Uh-oh. Bill, good morning. And there's no bill, which means we get to respond to said texter. So, to me, with Nebraska, Nebraska stinks. They've lost seven consecutive games. Yeah, they're they're close games. They're single-digit games. What happened to Nebraska 
really throughout the entirety of that game, but in particular, Connor, the second half where they just got moved around by Northwestern's offensive line and Northwestern was able with Evan Hole and Cam Porter to kind of run the ball at will when they wanted to. I expect OU to do the same thing with with Eric Gray, with Marcus Major, with Tawi Walker. I expect OU to be able to to do what they want to do offensively against them. Helinski threw for 300-plus yards. Helinski, by many, many folks, Connor, was considered maybe the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's well, saying a lot. That's saying a lot. If Helinski threw for three hundred yards, I'm ready to see what <laughs> Dylan Gabriel can do that to that Nebraska defense. But I understand people saying it's a trap game in Lincoln because the atmosphere that Nebraska provides in Lincoln. But still, what I saw against Northwestern, I don't see it being a one-score game anymore. That's what I was thinking coming into the season. But what I saw, there's no reason why OU should put up forty, fifty points. And run the ball with these. Yeah, I mean, more than Northwestern put up, certainly. High 30s, low 40s. I saw something. It was the first time Nebraska's put up 500 yards of offense since 2018, I believe. And they lost. Yes. And they lost the game. Uh, or another- no, I'm sorry, Northwestern. That's say Nebraska. I meant Northwestern. First time they put up 500-plus gotcha. offensive yards since 20 years. Yeah, that is not a normal occurrence for North Northwestern. Another person here, okay, people, the Nebraska team you saw this weekend, that's not the Nebraska team you're going to see when Oklahoma goes up there and plays them. They will play their best game. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get an inspired Nebraska, no doubt. Hey, that's it for hour number two. It's the Plank Show back with you on the Home of Sooner fans right after this.